I know, yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. And thank you for tuning in to Gospel Best Radio for Impact Clinic with Sheung Oyedele. This is the third edition of Impact Clinic with Sheung Oyedele on Gospel Best Radio. Remember, for those who joined us at the very beginning on April 1, 2023, we started with uh, that discussion on understanding time. And then in May, that discussion on career. And today on Impact Clinic with Sheung Oyedele on Gospel Best Radio, the theme is Believers Exploit. Sheung, what a pleasure to have you again. It's a great time to be here again. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. It's always a pleasure to have you with us and thank God for the impact that I believe that this uh, clinic is having on many people out there. And we're happy to announce that uh, from today, you can have access to past episodes of Impact Clinic with Sheung Oyedele. So you just go to our SoundCloud page and you have curated there uh, the past two episodes of Impact Clinic. And by the grace of God, uh, before the end of tomorrow, that Sunday, uh, we should have this episode, episode there as well. So you can listen as many times as possible. And what is more, you can also send it to others to listen. So I'll hand over to uh, our facilitator now, Shion Oedele. Over to you now, Shion. Okay. Good afternoon to everybody out there. Uh, I trust we've been enjoying ourselves. We've been great. Yeah, we've been great. Like it has been said, this is the third edition of Impact Clinic. And Impact Clinic is uh, a monthly program every first Saturday of the month. We are always here live in the studio to communicate the mind of God to believers. And today we're going to be looking at Believers exploit. Believers exploit. And um, you should know by now that Impact Clinic is Impact Clinic is a program facilitated by the Solution Orbit. Uh, you wonder what is Solution Orbit? It's a platform where we release publications, ebooks, ebooks for believers to learn on the subject of leadership, on the subject of relationship on the subject of purpose and um, the major priority is a productive life. And so you're welcome once again to Impact Clinic. And so we go straight to why we are here in Gospel Bells Radio, where the mindset is to engage the culture with the mind of Christ, to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. And the goal of today's session or the goal of Impact Clinic anytime we meet is to enhance holistic living because I believe that believers should know that their impact, their productivity is beyond the confines of a church. Yeah, it's not uh, a news that when you see some Christians in the church, you find them so vibrant, so productive, so proactive. But outside the church, bring them to the education sector, bring them to the politics, bring them to, you know, other spheres of life. You see that they fumble. And so Impact Clinic is there to enhance holistic living. So today we will be looking at believers exploit, as we've rightly said before now. Believers exploit. And in bid to do justice to this topic, we will be looking at the biblical perspective of who a believer is. Yeah, who is a believer is a question we need to answer in a time as this. A time, uh, uh, though uh, I've just spent about 30 decades on earth, but with the books I've read, uh, you know, 
I've read books, I've listened to men of God who have lived even before now, and I know what you know Christianity used to be before this generation, especially when we come to the book of Acts. You know, if you want to see the picture of what the church, what Christianity is, just sit on those 28 chapters of the book of Acts. You will understand what a believer, who a believer is, and what Christianity is all about. And so this morning we'll be looking at the perspective. What is the biblical perspective of who a believer is? Is a believer just somebody who attends church every Sunday? Is a believer just somebody who is born into a Christian home and when given a form to fill uh, in, the, in the colon of religion, he feels Christianity? Is that what it means to be a believer? We will answer this question in the course of this program. And so I need you to stay tuned to the end. And again, to do justice to this topic, we will look at what is exploit. In fact, I'm going to do a dichotomy between exploit and exploit. It can look the same in spelling, but we need to know the difference. Exploit and exploit. Because I'm going to push it to you that you cannot do exploit outside God. Anything you do outside God, any success you achieve, any great thing you do outside God, it will only come by exploitation. Okay, so and we are going to look at what are the pathways a believer is to navigate through to get into exploit. And of the truth, we should know that exploit is the mind of God for every believer. God does not want his children to live a dwarfy life, a life of a dwarf, a reduced life. Yeah, a reduced life is what I call a dwarfy life. Because Jesus left, I, I, I do say that Jesus left the stage for us at the end of his ministry for believers to come on stage. You get that? But Jesus left the stage for you and I so that we can come on stage for his place. And that is why towards the end of his ministry, he was telling the disciples, he was telling all believers, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, that is who a believer is, someone who believes in Christ. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, <laughs> shall he do also. And greater works than this shall he do, because I go unto my father. What more can we define exploits as more than what Jesus has said to mean greater works than he did? That's John chapter 14, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than this shall he do. And when you look at the Bible, you see that the word this is not the singular T-H-I-S, but the plural T-H-E-S-E. So meaning that the work Jesus was referring to is not just the death on the cross, all the exploit you can think of, all the miracles, all the great impact that he made on lives. We are to do them because he left the stage for believers to make exploit. Unfortunately, uh, we live a cowed life. Believers live a cowed life, a life of obscurity. Believers are not meant for obscurity. That was why Jesus was saying that you are the light of the world. You are a city set on an hill that cannot be hidden. Believers are not meant for obscurity. So we need to go now. Who is a believer? How do you define who a believer is? Number one, 
a believer is a saint. S-A-I-N-T. Yes, I know that we do believe that it is until someone dies, it does not become a saint. Physical death is not what makes you a saint. I mean, death to flesh, death to self, is what makes you a saint. And so when you look at how the Bible defines a believer in Romans chapter 1, verse 7, I'm going to read some scriptures so that you know that I'm not just bringing this out from my head. I'm not just saying this so that, you know, we can just have something to conjunct together to bring here on impact clinic. No. We look at what is the biblical mind about every subject matter. Look at last month, we were looking at career. And everything we talked about career, they were all from the scripture. We were talking about time, we, it was all from the scripture. Because our goal is to engage us with the mind of Christ. So a believer, number one, is a saint. Romans chapter 1 verse 7 says, Paul was writing to the, book, to the Romans, he said, To all that be in Rome. Beloved of God, called to be saints. Called to be saints. He said, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers are called to be saints. And that is why when you see a believer that jokes with holiness, you're seeing somebody who does not understand his calling as a believer. A believer is a saint. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul still speaking. He said, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. He said, With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So who are those who call upon Jesus? They are those that believe in him. They are believers. You must understand as a Christian that what makes you a believer, what makes you a Christian is not church attendance. It is that you have been sanctified. The Adamic nature has been taken away from you. You are made saint. So a believer is a saint. You also find that in the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Now, secondly, a believer is the church. I use T-H-E. The definite article, I use that so that you will know that when we talk about church, when the Bible refers to church, yeah, sometimes it refers to the congregation of believers, but most often than not, it refers to an individual believer. You are the church as a Christian. Yeah, this may look strange to you because you've been made to understand that a church is, is, is a monument. You've been, you've been made to understand that the church is an organization. No, the church is an organism, a living organism, a living being. The church is the believer. So when you look at the book of uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, you see the scripture saying that, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. A glorious church. He said, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that I should be holy and without blemish. And so if Jesus is coming for a church without blemish, you know that he's not coming for a building. He's coming for human beings. He's coming for living organisms. He's coming for a Christian. 
So the Bible made us understand, the Bible refers to a believer as the church. I, I, I hope by God's grace, next we're gonna we from next month we, we will start our series teaching. And I'm seeing God asking us to dwell on the matter of church next next year, 2024. God sparing our lives. It's gonna be up to like a 10-month series of teaching on the church. We will understand that. We, we, when we refer to the church, Ecclesia, we are not just talking about building. Unfortunately, people, when people are talking of, I want to build a church, I want to build a church, they are talking of building buildings and not building lives. Building edifice and cathedrals that engulf billions and millions of naira when the true people... You know, when I look at a scripture, I just think people don't pay attention to scripture. If you pay attention to scripture, you will, you will, the, this generation will, will be part of a generation that really pays attention to what Jesus gives priority to. Paul was right, I mean, Peter was writing in first, second Peter chapter 3, verse 11. He said, he said, I haven't known. He was talking from verse 8. Then he got to verse 10. He said that, you know, everything will melt. He said it will melt with an element. He now got to verse 11. It, he asked a rhetoric question. He said, have you known that all of these things will happen? He said, what manner of person ought you to be in all manner of conversation and holy living? Man, when you see all this building that we are building, that we think we are building a church, they will all melt out. My God. No wonder it, it, it was strange for, for the Sadducees and the Pharisees when Jesus was saying that, you know, this temple, I'm going to break it down and in three days I will build it again. No, he, was, he wasn't talking about the physical temple. He wasn't talking about that. So it's, it's high time the church, I mean, the leaders in core of the church begin to see that when Jesus said that we build my church, he was not talking about building a cathedral for a denomination. He was actually talking of building men. And look at the men he built. He built just 12 men. And for how many years now? The church is still standing. If you don't build men and you are building structure, the men you don't build will collapse the structure you took time to build. And that's, that's in tune with one of the adage of the Yoruba people that says that the child you did not build will sell off the property you've, you, you used your whole life to build. So the church, the believer is the church. The believer is the church. Jesus will rather build people than build an edifice. So you need to know that you are the church. And what does this suggest to you as a Christian? It means that the same way you, you, you see the church as a sacred place, you should see yourself as a sacred person. You know, Jesus was teaching me about the matter of the church. That should be 2013. And he asked me, he said, in a church, do you see people bring dirt into the church anywhere they refer to as church? Do you see, just see them dump a refuse? You know, maybe somebody just come in and walk in and defecate there in the church. I said, no. He said, why? I said, well, it's because it has been referred to as a church. He said, that is the same way I want you to refer to yourself. You are in the church. So you don't allow death. And that is what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, no, you know that your body is the temple of the living God. So we should know. We've said the believer is a saint. The believer is the church. 
Who is a believer? The believer is the seed of the woman. I'm looking at what, how does the Bible define a believer? The seed of the woman. Remember at the fall in Genesis chapter 3, when God was addressing the corporate of the matter, the serpent, the Bible says, he told the serpent, he said, listen, I'm going to put enmity between the seed of this woman and your seed, so that the seed of this woman will bruise your head and you will bruise his name. Now, the Bible sees a believer as that seed of the woman that God was talking about in Genesis chapter 3. How do I mean? If you go to the book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 17, you see the scripture saying that, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of our seed. The remnant of our seed which keep the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So who are those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ? They are Christians. They are believers. Revelation chapter 12 verse 17. So God, the scripture, sees the believer as the seed of the woman. So one of our assignments as believers, not just the pastors, not just the prophet, not just those people that work in the fivefold ministry, the teachers, the evangelists, the apostles, the, pro- the prophets, and the pastors. No, we are talking of every believer. Your, one of your assignments is to bruise the head of the serpent. You are the seed of the woman. You are the seed of the woman because we we are joint heirs. I'm going to show you from the scripture that believers are joint heirs with Christ. So whatever Christ is called is what a believer is called. Whatever Christ is called. So you look at that from the book of Psalm chapter 82 verse 6 now where God was saying that I call you gods. Ye are gods. Now, I, I don't want to go outside what I'm saying Believers are the seed of the woman. So Revelation again, chapter 12, verse 17 says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. And you know, verse 12 already said, that's Revelation 12, verse 12, already said that the, the, he said, Woe to the earth, woe to this. He said, For the devil had come in his wrath because he knows that his time is short. So every, every believer should know that we are in for battle, though our battle is not physical. That's why the scripture says that the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty true God for the pulling down of strongholds. First Corinthians chapter 4. Now, so now what are we saying in essence? The scripture says he referred to that the, 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 the believer as the remnant of the seed of the woman, which keep the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Who are those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ? Those who have been saved. Those who have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. And you know when people call to Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 and 11 where the scripture says that the accuser of brethren is accusing us day and night. In verse 11 he said that they overcame by the blood of the lamp and by the words of their testimony. And I see people thinking when they, when they want to share testimony in church, they now refer to that scripture. The testimony the scripture is talking about is not the testimony of buying a new car. It's not the testimony of buying a new Jeep. It's not the testimony of building a new house. It's not the testimony of getting an employment. It is the testimony of your salvation. That is, that is what gives you the edge to overcome the devil. So 
The, that verse 17 ends. He said, those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, those that have the testimony. So this testimony we are talking about is the testimony of your salvation. If you are not saved, you are not in this class of the believers that I'm referring to. Who is a believer? A believer is the seed of Abraham. Remember, we are looking at biblical perspective of who a believer is. How does the scripture define a believer? The scripture defines a believer as the seed of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29. That is the last verse of the scripture in, verse, in Galatians chapter 3. He said, and if ye be Christ, that if you, if you belong to Christ, if you read that scripture very well, you see that it is with apostrophe S. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. And Heads according to the promise. Believers are people who have the testimony of Jesus Christ. They are the seed of the women. They are the seed of Abraham. So if Abraham is referred to as the father of faith, no believer is, is expected to live in fear. We have not been given the spirit of fear, but we have been given the spirit of love, of sound mind. So who is a believer? A believer is joint heir with Christ. I mean, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. A believer is joint heir with Christ. A believer is joint heir with Christ. Please begin to see your status as a believer. Because if you are ignorant of who you are, this word will define you to mean what you are not. We shouldn't have a problem to differentiate between a Christian and, and non-Christians. We shouldn't have a problem. It, it shouldn't be a mix-up. There shouldn't be a mix-up between the, the people of the world and the people of Christ. There shouldn't. The, the believers we have an address. Our address is Jesus. We have an appellation. We have a title. Our title is Jesus. So there is nothing wrong, wrong if a believer says, I'm shown Christ. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. So a believer is joint heir with Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 17 said, If ye, and if, if, and if children, and said, then heads, Heads of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also glorify together. I read again. And if children, then heads. Please, I, uh, permit me to say this in Yoruba. The, that word heads refers to ajumojogun. Ajumojogun, for those who understand that word. We, we, we are joint, only an heir has a right to inheritance. We are children of the father. We are joint heirs. You remember that song? We are heirs of the father. We are joint heirs with the Son. We are children of the kingdom. 
We are family. We are one. So when you read the book of Mark chapter 6, verse 3, where the Bible outlined the other brothers of Jesus and sisters of Jesus, you know, Mary and Joseph did not just give birth to Jesus alone. They had other children. You'll find that in Mark chapter 6. So if you are reading that scripture, it's not wrong when you had your name. <laughs> Although those ones are the children of, of Mary and Joseph. But when you are referring to Jesus as the son of God, there is no, when they are mentioning sons of God, you should mention Jesus and mention your name. You are joint heirs with Christ. You are joint heirs with Christ. Believer, you are joint heirs with Christ. Begin to see yourself in the light of this status. You are joint heirs with Christ. So, glorification belongs to Christ. You are also called to glory. You are not called to shame as a believer. Who is a believer? I'm going to round off on that question very soon. I'm going to stop on Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 14, where the scripture says, Ye are the light, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savour, he said, Wherewith shall it be salted? He said, It is thenceforth good for nothing. He said, But to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Then verse 14, he said, Ye are the light of the world. A city set on an hill cannot be hidden. In two verses, Jesus defined who a believer is. Number one, you are the salt of the earth. And by salt of the earth, it means you are the solution this world is anticipating. You are the solution to politics. Or every anomaly we see in politics, we see in leadership, every anomaly we see in Nigeria, every anomaly we see in the nation or in the world at large, you are the solution that we are waiting for. As a Christian, you are the solution we are waiting for. So a believer is the salt of the earth. There shouldn't be decay. You know what you use the salt to do? You can, it's, it's, it's a preservative, you know, element. So if this, this generation will be preserved from decadence, believers are the people God is relying on. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The light. Light gives direction. Meaning that believer, people should look at believers to know how to get to God. My life should not repel people from God. My life should, re, should attract people to God. You are the light of the world. You should give direction. You are the city set on an hill. And you know, that scripture became, you know, became real to me. When God asked me one question, he said, well, a city set on an hill. He said, how do you view a city set on an hill? I said, I have, I have to look up. I was in just those days. You know, just is filled with rocks. And it was like God was using that to define, to, to, to expose the mind of Christ to me about this. He said, those houses on the rocks, how do you look at them? Do you look down to see them? I said, no. How do you look? I said, I had to look up. He said, believers are to be looked up to, not to be looked down on. So, you know, as a young Christian believer, you are a female. They want to do wedding. You know, you are part of the poverty. You are part of the bridal trail. And they are putting on all this, this naked clothes that they wear. And fortunately or unfortunately, is your friend that is the bride. And you are part of those bridal trail. And they are choosing that kind of style to wear. As a city set on an E, you should be the standard for them. Not them being the standard for you. You should define the tone. You know, I was, I was, I was to be... 
in a place with one of my lecturers when I was in Lasso. At and we, we were, you know, he left his home to pick me somewhere. And when I joined him, he told the guys we were together, he said, change the music. Pastor is now here. <laughs> my God. May I even tell you that that lecturer is a Muslim. They were listening to, you know, hip-hops and all of those. Immediately I came in. Traveling down here to Ekpe is about four, five hours. And he asked them to change the music. Believers should be the standard of operation in every sphere of influence you find yourself. That is what Christ meant when he said you are the city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So we have defined who a believer is. A believer is a saint. A believer is the church. A believer is the seed of the woman. A believer is the seed of Abraham. A believer is joint heir with Christ. A believer is the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and the city set on an hill. Now, what is exploit? Because our topic is believers exploit. What is exploit? Daniel chapter 11, the common scripture, when we talk about exploit, Daniel chapter 11 verse 32b says that but people that do not that he said but people that do know their god shall be strong and do exploit oh god in fact if we want to look at the issue of being strong alone one of your advantage of being a believer is that you are strong my god you are strong. You are, you, you are not a timid person. You are not someone that is sold into inferiority complex. That is why the Bible was defining who a righteous man, who a believer is in the book of Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1. He said the righteous are as bold as lion. So Daniel was speaking himself, but people that do, 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 do know their God is not deed. So, meaning that their relationship is not a past tense with God. The people who do know their God is a constant thing, is a continuous thing. The people who do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. Knowing God, coming to God, coming to being a Christian is the, this, the, the board, the springboard to the life of exploit. To the life of impact. So you can't afford to live a cowed life. What is exploit? Exploit is to make success in succession. <laughs> you, you wonder why I define exploit as that. You know, when I look at how you look at the, the how authentic a statement is, is to look at the life of the person that made that statement. Daniel was the one that said the people who do know their God will be strong and do exploit. And as I extrayed the life of this man of God, I saw that he, he succeeded. He succeeded to, to make impact. Two, four regimes. He served four kings. Nebuchadnezzar. He served Bethsaizah. He served Dairos. You know, the four kings in Babylon. That is exploit. You are making success. Success for you is not once, once upon a time. A man of exploit is not a man that makes success once in a lifetime. No. 
You are not a man of exploit if success is a thing of once upon a time in your life. No. And that is why you should, wherever you are listening to me, you should pray this prayer, Lord, may success not be once in a lifetime for me. You know, I see some believers, the only time they, 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 they are being celebrated is the time they graduate from the university. It doesn't end there. Success is not confined to academics alone. No. So, when we talk about success, please pray this. Pray this very well. Lord, may success not be once upon a time in my life. May success not be an history in my lifetime. May success not be an history for me. You can lift up your voice wherever you have to pray that prayer. I know, yes, that's an important prayer to pray. May success not be a once-in-a-lifetime event in my life. You've been listening to our brother, Shion Uedele, who is the facilitator for Impact Clinic with Shion Uedele on gospelbellsradio.com, your community Christian internet talk radio with a mission to engage the contemporary culture with the mind of Christ. Now, if you join us at the beginning or you're just joining us, you can ask questions or you can uh, you can send a voice note. Our brother will respond to them in the course of time, uh, perhaps in the next episode. But but do let us know that you're with us. Just send in your uh, sending your questions or your observations on WhatsApp. Just tap that box on our page that says say something, say something, and I'll be glad to record what uh, what you have said. As I mentioned earlier on, uh, this is the third edition of Impact Clinic. And now we have a page on our SoundCloud page where you can listen to back episodes of Impact Clinic. So just reach out to our brother Shewin Dele and then you can have you can have access to it. Or you can reach out to us on WhatsApp. Just tap our what that, that box that says say something and we'll send you the link. Uh, the link to the back episodes of Impact Clinic. Thank you once again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And of course, this, this, this is a, a most important discussion, Believers Exploit. The first edition was on Understanding Time, the second one on Career, and this, Believers Exploit. And you will agree with me that the things that the Holy Spirit has said to us today, they are indeed life, life itself. I, I'm going to hand over again to Shion to continue this session. Thank you very much, sir. So, like I said, make it a prayer that success will not be an history in your life. Success should not be an history in the life of a Christian. That is the reality we should live on daily basis. So, we are saying that exploit is to make success in succession. What is exploit? Exploit is a believer's reality. A believer's reality. We go back to the scripture we, we, we add as our introductory text. That is John chapter 14 verse 12. Jesus was speaking to every believer. He said, greater works than this you will do. That is it. So it is our reality. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. He said, and hath raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ." What an height of exploit. What an height of achievement. We are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. So a believer should know that 
Exploit is ease or a reality. You can't just you can't just resolve to live a limited life. You can't resolve to live an obscured life. And you know what a pity? Some people live a pitiable life because they are Christians. You are a student on campus. You are a backbencher because you are a Christian. No, you should be an eye flyer. People should ask you, how come you are on first class? How come you are on two one at four point something CGPA, and you don't join them to, to you know in, in examination malpractice? How are you doing it? These are the realities a believer should live it. And I need to tell you that it is your result that attests to it if you are living for exploit or not. Your result. Believers should not be insulted. You know why? Their result should shut down the insult of men. Believers, because nobody argues with results. If you are having good results to show for the life you live in Christ... Paul was speaking in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said that the life I now live, I no longer live. He said, but I live in Christ. It is the life of Christ. And the life of Christ is the life of exploit. So it is it's a reality. And I said the other time that when you look at the word exploit in writing, it looks the same as spelling es- es- exploit. But they are different. What makes the difference between a believer is that a believer achieves success, a believer achieves fit through God, but unbeliever achieves success and fit through exploitation. They cut corners to get results. And that is why I said, whatever you do that it is not by the enablement of God can only come by exploitation. Some people get rich by exploitation, not through God. But the people who get rich through God, they key into the scripture that says that I am the one that teach your hands to make wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. They key into the scripture in Proverbs that says that it is the Lord that make it rich and add no sorrow. But you see, I see young believers who want to do exploit financially and they are into internet fraud. They are into cyber, you know, cyber you know, all manner of things we see. And so you see a boy of 14, 15, 16 years, people in their teenage, they are, they are on bends, they are on this. They don't get all those things through God. They are getting it through exploitation. Is that the life you will live as a believer? What will make the difference between you and those who are not believers? The scripture says that God is going to put a difference between those who serve him and those who do not. So, you should know that exploit is achieved through God. Now, we go to the pathways to doing exploit for a believer. What are those things you should do? Anybody can achieve success if he or she is ready to pay the price. And that is why you must have... I mean, those who are close to me must have heard me say that I don't envy the result of men. I envy the sacrifice that give them those results. So if somebody says, I, I, I became a first-class student in my, as a doctorate student, uh, how did you get it? I got it through study. I go there. I become studious because of that. That is how to get there. So what are the pathways to 
exploit number one, as we see from Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, those who do know their God. The pathway to exploit number one is the knowledge of God. Those who know their God, those who do know their God, will be strong and do exploits. You can't achieve exploit outside God in this kingdom. In the world, they have their way of doing it. But for us as believers, our way of doing it is by close relationship with God. It's by close knowledge of God. And that is why Jeremiah, when you look at Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, you know, when I came across that scripture, I'm going to, from verse 23, he said, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty glory in his might. He said, let not the rich man glory in his riches. Look at this. It's very salient. He said, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Oh, Oh, your glo- your standpoint for glory should be in the knowledge of God. Should be that you. So when you see a man like Paul, ne- he he never graduated from this statement that I may know him. And what a man of exploit he was, Apostle Paul, a great man. One of his secrets is that statement that I may know him. And you know that that is how he started his, his, his journey from the Damascus journey, the journey to Damascus where he was converted. The first question he asks is, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord, that I persecuted? Who are you? So it is the more he knows God, the more the exploit he was achieving. The more he knows God. So the more you know God, the more your, 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 your possibility of achieving exploit. And when we talk about the knowledge of God, I'm not talking of what you go to learn in seminary or what you go to learn in theology school or what you get, you get in the Sunday school. Or in, the knowledge of God is a personal relationship. The personal revelation of God. The personal revelation of God. Yes, you can get some knowledge. You know, I was saying that being a student of religious study in the higher institution does not make you know God. That's not what, that's not what makes you know God. Yes, you can know God, but that is not the primary thing that makes you know God. If that is it, how will we have professors of Christian religious knowledge fornicating with students on campus? Is that, is that the evidence of the knowledge of God? How do we have lecturers who are vast in Christian religious knowledge? We still find them culprits of many deminers. De- how? 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 How do we have people, graduates of seminaries, that we, we, when they join, when they join the, 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 the house of clergy, we begin to wonder where did this one graduate from? No, the knowledge of God that Daniel was talking about that those who know their God, he was not saying go and enroll to theology school. Yes, you can do that for, for, for 
whatever reason you 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 want to do that, maybe because God has called you to be a priest or whatever, to be a pastor, you can go to theology. I'm not disputing that. But what helps you know God is your personal work with God. That Paul summarized in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, when he said that, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It is the more you fellowship with the Spirit of God that you get to know God. Oh, <laughs> men of old, they did not get to know God by going to Harvard University. They get to know God by enrolling in bedside university. And when I say bedside university, there, I don't know if there's any school that exists that way. But I'm talking of the corner of your room. The corner of your room. Your morning devotion, your quiet time. That is where you find God. That is where you find God. Every, every man of great exploit, every man of success, understand the power of solitude. And Jesus evidenced that in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. The Bible says, while it was still dark, Jesus withdrew to pray. So when, when we say your exploit begins from the volume of the knowledge of God that you have, how, how, how can a man like Daniel interpret a dream he was not told? Not that he interpreted alone. He narrated and interpreted. How? The secret is in the, is in the scripture there. He said, give me some time. What was he doing with his time? He went into a corner praying. The Bible says he spent the night praying. He spent the night praying. How, how, how was John, the beloved, able to write the book of Revelation? He withdrew to the island of Patmos. My God. The scripture says, he said, I was, I was in the spirit on the day of the Lord. He was alone. He, the theology school is a crowd. Permit me to use that, sorry. I'm not disdaining seminary. I'm not disdaining or ridiculing theology school. But I'm saying that when, Apostle, when, when, when Daniel said, those that do know their God will be strong and do exploits, he was not saying go and enroll to a school. He was saying you need to keep, your relationship with God needs to be intact. So even when there was a, a law that nobody should, should pray to another God, except the God, the, the graven image in Babylon, the Bible recorded in, in the book of Daniel chapter 6 that Daniel had to open his window three times daily praying. Because I need to say this so that we will know that the knowledge of God we are talking about is not about intellectualism but spirituality. It is not about activity but spirituality. Activity of a... Uh, uh, this is... This is, this is what the lectionary says. This is what... No, no. It is that God is with you. How, how did Abraham, how did he know that God was going to provide in place of Isaac? So if you, if you ask Abraham to define God to you and he said that he is Jehovah Jireh, did he read that from any book? 
It is in personal revelation of God. Ah, through the knowledge, he, he finds God in personal relationship. In personal relationship. I am talking about your exploit is in your knowledge of God. In whatever field. I'm not talking on in, in church alone. Even in academics. Even in politics. In leadership. In finance. We are going to be talking on finance maybe some other time. And I'm going to open the, the issue of finance to you even from the scripture. I've mentioned two scriptures this morning. It is the Lord that makes rich without adding sorrow. I've mentioned to you Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 that the scripture says it's the Lord that teaches your hand to make wealth. You will see in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 verse 29 that where the scripture is saying that see thou a man diligent in his that should be 29, 22. See thou a man diligent in his business. He said he will stand before kings and not mean men. These are pathways to financial liberation. And it, they are all in the scripture. So may I ask you, what is the current temperature of your knowledge of God? What is it? Aside what you were taught from Bible story in your Sunday school, aside what you are taught in the 30-minute, 20-minute sermon we hear every Sunday in our churches or one hour for some other churches, how have you, what have you found God to be in personal revelation? If, if we are not going to cover all of this content in this edition, next edition, we take it from there before we move to the next thing. Your knowledge of God is where your exploit begins from. Your knowledge. Ah! You know, as I'm speaking now, I remember the, 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 the man called Peter, Apostle Peter. Such a great man that the scripture recorded that his, his, his shadow was, was raising the dead. Ah! What a man! What a man that the scripture says Avon took notice of him and John. The Bible says that the, the, the people observed that they were unlearned men. Oh, they, they did not get their exploit of raising the dead by attending school of, uh, you know, the, the, the spiritism. No. But for Peter, it is that he knew who Jesus is. So when Jesus was passing a test to them, he said, who do people say I am? My God. And many of them were dumbfounded. But G Peter said, you are Christ, the Son of God. Hey, Jesus said, upon the revelation of you, the knowledge of me that you know, I will build my church. Upon the fact that you know me, I will build my church on this. So when he said, on this stone, I will build my He was not talking about Peter as a person. He was talking about Peter, based on his relationship, when you read the scripture very well, you see that Jesus taught at a point and the people said, oh, we cannot endure this teaching. This is an art saying. And the Bible says many disciples left Jesus. And Jesus, who was not looking for crowd, but looking for men that will carry on after he's gone. He said, will you also go? Peter said, to whom will we go? For thou hast the word of life. How did he know? How did he know? It is in personal knowledge of God. So when you see those men in their days doing great and marvelous things, it is not based on the height of their academic laurels. 
But in how much they found God, my God? How much of God they found? What is your knowledge of God, dear believer? What is, aside what your pastor taught you about Christ, what has Christ revealed to you as a person? Exploit in this kingdom of God, it is not based on intellectualism, it is based on fellowship and relationship with God. I know the church of this generation, we've succeeded in raising great intellectuals. We've raised professors of theology. Professors of theology who find it difficult to profess Christ in some places outside the church. That when they are confronted with the matter of choosing between God and money, they can never confess Christ. They will rather confess money. They say, this is the word of business. Let's face business. Put Christ aside. No. We are not talking of men of such passion. We are talking of men after Christ. We are talking of men after Christ. Knowledge of God is beyond I, re- I can recite the Ten Commandments. No wonder Jesus was confronting that young ruler, that young rich guy. And Jesus says, see, you, 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 know, you have to obey your father and your mother. He said, all of these things I've been keeping from, my, from, from when I was young. And Jesus said, one thing thou lackest, go and sell off everything. Jesus was only teaching him about the principle of self-denial. And he failed. And that is what Jesus was saying in the book of Luke chapter 9 verse 23 where he said that whosoever that will come after me must deny himself take up daily and take up his cross and follow me. What is your knowledge of God? This is where exploit starts from. Or else if you, if you, if you don't have the true knowledge of God and you are given the platform, you will fumble. And that is why I do say that God does not present unprepared men. Men that he has not prepared. God does not take pride in presenting them. What are the pathways to doing exploits? Knowledge of God. Number two is that there are prizes to pay and you have to be willing to pay it. So the pathway to exploit is the willingness to pay the price. I am looking at the life of Daniel who said, those that do know their God will be strong and do exploit. What, what gives Daniel such a, a limestone of exploit in a strange land? It was that he was ready to pay a price. Look at the, land, the first chapter of the book of Daniel, verse 8 of it. The Bible says that Daniel proposed, he was ready to pay the price for his exploit. Daniel proposed in his heart. Your exploit is traceable to how much of prizes you are ready to pay. Bishop David Oyedepo, we always say that there is no star without a scar. So no one gets to the top by wishing. No one gets to the top. You want to be a great, oh God, I see, you know, God is speaking to the heart of somebody. You want to, you see yourself on platforms, you see yourself being great. But what is restraining you is that you are not ready to pay the price. Daniel proposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. No one gets to the top by wishing. You get to the top by paying for it. 
You don't wish your, your way to the top. You pay your way to the top. Hey, uh, you, you, you know people who have written books. You know people who raise the dead. And you want to be like them. You want to be like Benny Hinn for those of us that are church people. You want to be like Benny Hinn. You want to be like Idaosa. You want to be like Babalola. You know, I was in one CAC church speaking to them sometimes ago. I was invited. And I told them, you people keep singing the, the water of Babalola in Yoruba. You say, Babalola, Olomiye. You, you sing all of those songs. I said, are you ready to pay the price that Babalola paid to get the height to the height he got? And these men are not men that died old. They were men that died at 59. Idaosa, for instance. My God. But there was something about them. They paid prizes. So don't wish your way to the top. You, are, you should be ready to pay your way to the top. May I ask you, what have you proposed in your heart? To pay so that you can be a man or woman of exploit as a believer. Your exploit is more than I'm, I'm singing, I'm a chorister in the church. That is, is that all? So what were you doing those three months that they shut down the church? You were redundant. You must be ready to pay the price for the height you are ready to climb. There is a saying in the, in the English language that says that if wishes were oxes, beggars will ride. No, there is nobody that does not want to be uh, this or be that, be this, be that. But are you ready to pay the price? Few days ago or few weeks ago, we were celebrating a lady that cooked for 100, year, 100 days. 100 hours, rather, sorry. 100 hours. But how many people can go 24 hours without sleeping? Yes, we want to be in the Guinness Book of Records, but are you ready to pay a price? My God. My God. So, you should, what are the pathways to success? It is your willingness to pay a price. You find where you want to get to, and you say, what does it take to get there? I'm going to pay for it. So, for Daniel, he knew, one, that he was not a Babylonian, he was a Jew. And he knew that God had ordained him for exploit. And so he said, I will not join the rest to do what they are doing. Because you cannot be the best if you want to be like the rest. There must be something. The, the, there is, the, I came across a statement sometimes ago. He said the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is the extra. The extra price. The extra length you are ready to go. So you have to be ready to pay a price. We are talking about the pathways to doing exploits. I've talked about your knowledge of God. I've talked about paying the price. Number three, you have to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined. No indisciplined person get distinguished in life. No indisciplined person gets to be distinguished in life. You've got to be disciplined. To be known for exploit, you need to pay attention to being disciplined in the following areas. Number one, your appetite. 
hey, your appetite, appetite for for food, appetite for for sex for the young people. Do you want to trade your glory on the altar of sexual involvement? You have to con- I know it is human. I know you are human being. I know the heart will be there for young people like me. The heart will be there, but you've got to be disciplined because of the future ahead of you. I have found out that great men, eh, sin is always giving itself cheap to them. So you've got to be disciplined. Let me talk on the issue of discipline, then we, we move from there. They, you'll be disciplined with your appetite. Eating, you eat for strength, not for pleasure. You've got to be disciplined about your character. I mentioned the matter of character last month too. And I quoted Billy Graham where he said that if you, have, if you lose your wealth, you've lost nothing. If you lose your health, you've lost something. But if you lose your character, you've lost everything. So you have to be disciplined in character. You have to be disciplined in, your, in time usage. In time usage. In time usage, we've spoken about time. You can revisit uh, uh, the edition where we talked about understanding time. You have to be disciplined with time usage if you have to be a man of exploits. Amazing. Amazing. You have to be disciplined in all areas if you want to be a man of exploits. This, this has been a powerful, powerful presentation. We give all the glory to the Lord God Almighty who uh, sent his Holy Spirit to enable our brother Shion Oedele to deliver yet another impactful session of Impact Clinic with Shion Oedele on Gospel Bells Radio. So, we look forward to seeing you again next month. Remember, Impact Clinic with Shion Oedele on Gospel Bells Radio holds the first Saturday of every month. So, the next month, by the grace of God, is July, and we are looking forward to seeing you uh, in July. Uh, we do pray that the Lord will keep you and keep us as well. So the first day in July uh, will be the second of July. The second of July is the first. Okay, is the first of July. Yeah, thank you, thank you for correcting me on that. The first of July, by the grace of God, we hope to see you here. At 12 noon on gospelbellsradio.com for another session of Impact Clinic with Shewin Dele on gospelbellsradio.com. Shewin, thank you very much again. God thank bless you. Thank Please you say a word of prayer as we bring this session to a close. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because you've made us understand our status as a believer. Thank you, Lord. You've made us understand that you've ordained us for exploit. That oh, yes, exploit Lord. is our reality. Oh, yes, Lord. Lord, we pray for those who feel inferior for knowing you. Mm-hmm. Those who feel ashamed for associating with you. Mm-hmm. We pray that you will grant them courage. Amen. You grant them faith Amen. to emerge Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because those that wait upon you will be strong. Oh, yes. Those that wait upon you, they will mount up like eagles. Mm-hmm. They will not be weary. They will not faint. Mm-hmm. And so we are praying the same grace on everyone who have listened to us and those who will still listen some other time that Lord you will grant them strength from their inner man Amen. in the name of Jesus Amen. we look up to you for the next edition Lord give us your words oh, yes, Lord. grant us all chance oh, yes, Lord. in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen. thank you also very much God bless you really good. remember you can leave us messages on WhatsApp tap that button that says say something if you want to join the gospel best video community just tap the box that says join us God bless you really good see you by the grace of God on the 1st of July bye bye Thank you.
You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 Christ. 